time, if you're serving and if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're reading the Bible and praying, God is not going to make it hard for you to find his will. You know, he's not going to hide it from you. Hello, friend. Don't go anywhere. You were just listening to Miss Cherith Hansen. She and her husband, young couple, are missionaries to the mountain people of Panama. You're not going to want to miss this. If you're watching right now on YouTube, thank you so much. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio-only podcast version, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. There's a lot we talk about that I think might be a help to you and somebody you know. Now, let's jump into the interview. This is the Michael McCurry podcast, and I am here today with the Hansons, and I'm very excited to be. They're going to the country of Panama, and I'm going to let Brother Hanson tell you all about it in just a second. But if we can, let's flip it on its head. I don't know I've done this before. Mrs. Hanson, let's start with you if we can. Give okay. us a brief introduction to who you are, and talk about your husband for just a second, how great he is, and all of those things. <laughs> I, I didn't give you a primer to these questions, great. but go ahead. It's going to be a short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, tell us, introduce us to you, to you if you would. Yes, uh, my name is Cherith Hanson, and um, I am the youngest of six kids. My parents, Terry and Joyce Angel, are um, at Bourbonnet, Illinois. He's the pastor there at Faith Baptist Church. And we've been married since April of 2019, so just over a year now. And we've loved every minute of it. And he's been a great husband so far. I knew he would be. And um, I just love watching him and his element on deputation and doing what God has called him to do. Um, he just amazes me every day with you almost can't yeah, that, the Lord. that's enough <laughs> you almost can't see her reading the notes off to the side oh, there as she says all right. of that so that's nope. great <laughs> so brother, this morning very good brother hansen thank you yes, so much sir. for taking the time and mrs hansen greatly appreciate that so married for just about a year and one of the craziest years of recent memory. And even those that are much more our senior would say, this has been a pretty nuts year. How has that been jumping into deputation? Talk about, if you would, sure. when you started in deputation and yes, how sir. quickly things just kind of went sideways with all of these different COVID restrictions and things like that. Sure. Uh, we started deputation in September of last year. So uh, we were able to get in three months, four months into deputation without having to worry about COVID. Uh, that was before COVID hit, so that was a, that was a blessing. Uh, we were able to see about 30% of our support come in before then. And then uh, I, think, uh, I think April uh, started, we started getting cancellations. And uh, from April to May, we didn't have any meetings. So uh, someone from uh, my, our sending church I uh, had a job availability, and so I was able to work during those times, be able to get some money in. So that was a blessing. Uh, it's always amazing how the Lord just um, just supplies your needs when you need them the most. So uh, we were able to uh, do some virtual meetings uh, during that time as well. Um, we were in Minnesota for uh, a little bit visiting my parents, and we had a meeting in Maine. So that was kind of neat. We were able to do it on Facebook. And we were, it was kind of interesting just talking to a camera, not seeing people's faces, seeing if they were on the couch sleeping or whatever. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely a lot more interesting than my brother, who was a missionary uh, 10 years ago, uh, tells me all these stories. And then I tell him this story 
uh, about us doing virtual. He's like, you're cheating. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, you can you can say that, but I appreciate the fact that when the Lord led and the, for a space of time, the way through how was a four letter wor- word spelled W O R K, you were willing mm-hmm. to do that. And so, yes, a lot of times we want things handed to us. And so, I, but I appreciate the fact that there was a space there where the ministry would be furthered by you picking up whatever it may be, whatever implement it was, and yeah. working away. So appreciate that. that. If you yes, would, sir. speak to your, your salvation testimony. We'll get to maybe your call to the field, okay. unless those are really intertwined. But if you yes, would, sir. let's talk your salvation testimony, and then Ms. Cherith will get to yours if we can. Okay. Well, in I, I grew up in Minnesota under the leadership. I went to church under the leadership of Brother Grimaldi, uh, Midwest Bible Baptist Church. And uh, during those years, uh, I was uh, preached to. Uh, with the, the gospel, I was given the gospel, and um, one of the services growing up, I I just, you know, I saw a whole bunch of young men going forward, my friends, and so I went forward, and um, I told everyone I was saved, and I prayed that that prayer, And uh, but inside, I knew that I was, the Holy Spirit was convicting me, and I knew I wasn't saved, and um, I was just living life, playing a game, and while um, I was I was 17 and I went to a youth conference, um, our time youth conference in Marion, uh, Marion Avenue Baptist Church in Washington, Iowa. And uh, while there, uh, the Holy Spirit was working on my heart. And I was uh, just like any other uh, person before they're saved. They uh, try to say, no, I am a good person. I, uh, I, I, I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of the youth group. I was the oldest in the youth group and I didn't want to embarrass myself. So uh, I was fighting with that, and then I, uh, the, I, I honestly don't remember what the pastor was preaching on. I was just uh, fighting the Holy Spirit, and then it, uh, it ended up being me telling myself, I don't want to die and go to hell for my youth group. I don't want to die and go to hell for my parents, and so I just got up and walked forward and told the, the, the man that was up front that I was not saved. And uh, we got down and I accepted Christ as my savior. And uh, I'm very grateful for, you know, the, the, it was a lot of, I had a lot of pride and I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit just fought and I uh, surrendered my life to Christ. Amen. Amen. And and for those, there will likely be hundreds of different people that end up listening to this over the the lifetime of the podcast. And I have to imagine, even if there was just a hundred, of people, there's got to be one, two, three, though many would profess to be Christian folks that are struggling with that. And, and I so greatly appreciate that testimony and the yes, fact sir. that you, you said for yourself, you're not willing to go to hell for your youth group or for anyone else. And can I tell you to those that yeah. are listening right now, your pride is definitely not worth going to hell over. That's Proverbs right. 29, one, he that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Yeah. How sad would it be for that suddenly be destroyed to be that first time you open your eyes in hell? And so please, if you have any questions yeah. about that, I would love for you to contact me or Brother Hanson. We'd love to help you with that. And you, I think many of you that are listening that may feel that little twinge, you know exactly what you need to do. But Miss Cherith, talk if you would about your salvation testimony. Sure. It's um, very similar to Isaiah's. Um, I feel like, as you said, a lot of people who grew up in Christian homes, it's a a typical story that you hear for us who grew up in Christian homes, just because we were preached to ever since a young age. And, you know, we weren't in deep sin, so to say. 
Um, so I made a profession of faith when I was five. And I think I really did it because my sister had been saved and I saw her get baptized. And I thought that was looked like fun. <laughs> so I made a profession of faith. And um, at the age of 11, I remember when um, I really started doubting my salvation. And, um, you know, I, you've heard before, without conviction, there is no conversion. And every time I would go back to, to that profession at five, I knew that there was no conviction there. I just did it just because I wanted to, not because I knew I was a sinner and that I needed Christ. Um, so I battled for about four months with the same thing, going back and forth with the Holy Spirit. And it was the most miserable four months of my life. It was awful. And then, you know, like he said, I just came to that point where I said, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm living, I'm an 11 year old and I'm miserable and I know I need to be saved. And so I went to my mom and told her that I wasn't saved and I knew what to do. You know, I knew all the verses and everything. So I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart that day, June of 2008. Amen. So. And it's amazing. The, the, and you know how I was saying this, but the pride of being able to give that testimony, I made the right decision. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're not proud of anything we did. We're just proud of right. the fact that we accepted the free gift of salvation. So greatly yes. appreciate that. Right. So let's talk about before we get into the ministry side and maybe Panama and all of those things factored into the, the, the what brought you folks together. I, I don't know, but what was it that did that did bring you folks together being now married for let's see, 14, 15, 16 months, and what led up to that, but then also speak to, if you would, how the Lord knit your hearts about the ministry, not even specifically Panama, but what brought you together sure. and made you so certain that you were supposed to serve God together? Sure. Well, um, it actually started when I was 12, when uh, I, I went to uh, Faith Baptist Church, and my brother, Caleb Hansen, was, was the assistant pastor there for eight years. And uh, I went there to visit my brother to go soul winning. And uh, while you there? Yep, we're good. Okay. Um, and while uh, we were there going soul winning on the bus, uh, my brother was driving the bus and he um, was talking to a girl, uh, Cherith, in the rearview mirror. And so I, I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw a beautiful girl at the age of 12. And, you know, you know, it's not uh, <laughs> not common that a 12-year-old thinks of a girl as beautiful. But since then, I remember, remember I um, started praying for her at the age of 12, 13, 14. And I got a picture of her in my Bible. And uh, I started, every time I read my Bible, I prayed for her. And um, it just, you know, just uh, was just something that I was thinking about and praying for her. So um, in uh, 2015, we met each other. Uh, by the way, we never talked to each other. Whenever I went to see my brother, I never talked to her. I might have said hello. I was shy. I was homeschooled and I was very shy. <laughs> so, um, and she said hello, but she didn't really talk to me. I was just Brother Caleb Hansen's brother to her. So um, in a conference, our time conference, uh, we saw each other. And one of my buddies said, hey, you need to start talking to her. You need to start dating. I was like, no, I don't want to start dating. I want to wait till college. And so um, it ended up being he ended up getting another girl to ask Cherith if I liked if she liked me. And 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 he ended drama. up. Yeah, he ended up. God loved her, the, the Christian school, homeschool, hijinks right. and, and drama and all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> 
So she ended up finding out that I liked her and I had a picture of her in my Bible. And then I found out that she found out. So I ended up ripping up that picture and saying, there's no way that we'll ever be able to talk. And uh, knowing her pet, her, her, her dad, uh, he probably would find me and kill me. So I ended up just, you know, uh, setting it off to the side. Then we ended up going to Providence uh, Baptist College together uh, that fall. And we just started talking and uh, ended up dating and got married April of 2019. See, on this podcast, we ask the hard-hitting questions. So here's oh, a question that came to mind. Do you still have the pieces of that picture? <laughs> no. I is it, is it gone? Gone? Yeah. Oh, man. Goodness. <laughs> they See, that would be a story. Right. That would be a story. All right. If well, that, found those pictures, that would have been cool. right. <laughs> right. Well, well, you, you know, all these movies and things based on a true story. So maybe we can rewrite right. re re some of them a little bit. But right. from yeah. your perspective, then, Miss Cherith, was that your first indication that this person even existed? Or when someone came and asked you or what, what kind of led up to that? Um, well, I knew who he was, you know, sure. since we were 12, just from him and his family visiting. But I was 12 and through high school, I didn't really think much about guys and everything. So um, when I was, when at that conference, when one of my friends came up and she kept, what do you think about Isaiah Hansen? What do you think? And I'm like, why are you asking? Yeah. And I'm he's like, this is dumb. I'm like, I, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He seems like a nice man, but I don't really care about that right now. And then, so I thought, oh my goodness, how low he asked another girl to come to me and see if I would even like him. So I was like, that is, he's a scumbag, obviously. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, um, so then, you know, like he said, we went to college and you start to become friends and talk and the rest is history. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So. Praise the Lord. So how did that, how did that end up? So obviously one thing led to another. Now here you are married and then talk about the ministry aspect of it. And obviously, from a young age, both of you had, it appears, a, a desire for ministry. Was there a time, if not, no problem, but was there a time that you struggled with that call to ministry that maybe you weren't fully yielded to that? Or uh, speak to that, if you would. Yes, sir. Um, and obviously, my church was 100% for missions, 100% for surrendering your life. My parents were 100% for it. My brother, uh, Abram Hansen, has been a missionary in Panama for 12 years now. And he, um, he told me, well, he, he just had a great example. Like, I had a great example of what a missionary is supposed to be like. So I was given the opportunity to see great men uh, go before me. My brother, as a pastor, uh, now in, in Midwest Bible Baptist Church, so uh, at the eight, uh, in 2013, um, I wanted to be, I thought God's will for my life was to start churches in Minnesota, a church planner. And uh, that was my desire. And um, in 2013, I went to Panama to visit my brother. And I had no desire to, number one, learn the language of Spanish. I had no desire to go to another, uh, another country to be a missionary. Um, so I went there just to be a help to him. And uh, while I was in Panama, I went up into the mountains. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me that uh, my brother uh, brought me up in the mountains. And it takes about two hours to walk to some of the villages. And while, I, while we were walking, we were able to see some beautiful 
um, uh, animals and beautiful scenery. But once we got to the village, it's when it hit me that those people were just like you and I. They were going about their business, doing their religion, their Roman Catholic religion, and uh, going every Sunday just praying and uh, not really living their life for, for their religion or any for Christ. And uh, they didn't have the truth, and they didn't have anything uh, biblical, no, no Bibles or anything up there. So uh, in my heart, I told myself, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I felt bad for those young people that didn't have the truth that I had. And so I, after that, uh, after that uh, time in Panama, I came back and I started praying, Lord, please send somebody to Panama. Please send some, some missionary uh, to, the, to the people up the mountains to start churches. And uh, I had no desire. But at a conference, I just was struggling with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I ended up surrendering my life to be a missionary to Panama. And I'm grateful for God's answer to my prayer. And that ended up being me. So I'm grateful Absolutely. for God's calling in my life. And how, when was that cemented as far as a timeline, you folks being married a year ago, April, how long before that was that really cemented in your life? Um, so it was 2014 okay. uh, when I was called to be a missionary. Okay. And then we started dating 2015, uh, December of 2015. Understood. So, so, so Cherith, you knew that kind of going in. Was that yeah. a, a thought for you that that was any trepidation, any hesitation? I marry this guy. God willing, we're going to be going a long way away. How did that kind of play out in your mind? Okay. Um, I remember as a teenager, I surrendered to whatever God would have me to be. And I did believe that he wanted me in ministry somewhere. Um, but I, I thought maybe it would be in the, in the States. And um, my mom told me from early on that wives aren't necessarily called. They're called to their husband and we're supposed sure. to follow him. Um, so I was just open to whatever. So then when we started dating, he pretty much told me right off the bat, you know, I'm called to be a missionary to Panama. So if that doesn't interest you, then, you know, maybe we shouldn't pursue this. And um, to be honest, I did struggle a little bit um, with it just because my family and I are very close and, you know, leaving America and my family um, was a little bit scary to me. But as I prayed for God's will and prayed about Isaiah, just knowing that he was God's will for my life led me to have the peace um, that being a missionary wife was God's will. And um, he took me to Panama last August and that really, it was good for me to go. And um, I was nervous, but I really prayed that God would knit my heart to the people and that he would help me see the burden there. And he did just that. Um, we were only there for a week, but in a week's time, he, he really knit my heart to the people and gave me a burden for them. And so that, that was helpful to me to confirm in my heart that it's going to be okay. This is where God has us. And that's really the best place we can be is in God's will. So Absolutely. And you summed it up right there. The best place to be is, and you could, as you said, uh, or previously, uh, even at 11 years old, you knew being outside of God's will for salvation for you was the right. most miserable time. And you could right. live right next door to your family that you love dearly 
and yet still be the most miserable Christian possible because you're not where you're supposed to be. And so right. the opportunity to fulfill God's will and Lord willing, see many people saved, I'm sure is, right. a, is a bonus as well. So talk yeah. about Panama just a little bit. And for those of us um, that may not, may be geographically challenged, explain mm-hmm. to us as best you can where it's at. And what I'm actually going to ask you to do, if you can, maybe send me your missions video as well. And what we'll do yeah. is we'll, ta- we'll tag that on to the end sure. of the YouTube video of version of this so for those of you that are listening to the podcast version of course you can watch it on youtube as well Uh, just search for mike mccurry um and hansen's interview things like that um but you'll be able to watch that video as well but talk about panama where it's at uh the needs both spiritually but economically all of those things that kind of factor into this country okay uh panama is in central america it's right above uh costa rica and right uh, I'm sorry, it's right below Costa Rica and right above Colombia. So it's, uh, it's the last, um, it's the last country of Central America, right before South America. And uh, there are 4.3 million people that live in the country of Panama. And it is about the same size um, uh, geographically as Tennessee. And um, the, you can drive from one end of Panama to the other end uh, it takes about eight hours to get from one end to the other. And uh, from where you are right now, it takes about 72 hours to get there. So you can drive. It's not, um, not surrounded by water. So that's a blessing. But you can, you can drive there. So um, the, the religion there is uh, mostly Catholic. 85% of Panamanians are Catholic. Uh, they teach it in the schools. Uh, um, like I said before, uh, each Roman, each um, each village up in the mountains has about uh, each village has a Roman Catholic church, and there's about 60 villages up in one mountain range uh, that we'll be working in, and uh, they they have a Roman Catholic church, and they have a priest that comes in once a year, and he comes in, gets the money, and leaves, and so they don't they don't have any any consistency of church, so because of that. They uh, they just use the Roman Catholic Church as a as a crutch. They just say, "Oh, I'm Roman Catholic," and they they don't really live the Roman Catholic. If that if that's something to live, they don't really do the works or anything. So, um, it's it's a it's a very needy country for for the truth. Um, it's an open country, which allows the Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and all these different cults to come in and try to steal. Uh, people from the gospel. That's exa- that's what Satan does in every country. So uh, it's it's our responsibility to get up into the mountains uh, to those that only have a Roman Catholic Church. And now, for those it, folks that are up there, just this thought occurred to me: is there, especially up in the mountains, is there any sort of uh, paganism or anything like that that has any roots from previous to Roman Catholicism, or is it basically just straight Church of Rome, and that's about? the only, besides maybe some Jehovah's Witness and influences that might be here and there, but is there any paganism right. or anything like that? Um, they, they do have, um, yeah, I, I would say there is paganism. Um, they are very superstitious. They are, um, they, you got to be careful if you give them the gospel, they will take that gospel, they will pray the prayer, and they'll just live, just add it to their religion. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question at all, but they, they, it's, it takes a lot of time to 
give them the God, uh, to see them grow as a Christian. Right, so. right. They've been so steeped in lies for right. so long. And, yes, and that's one of the things the devil does very well is he takes the truth and just bends it just enough to distort yes, and pervert what, what's been, what's been given. And right. so yes. what would, what would be the first steps you, you plain lands in Panama, assuming travel is allowed right. here in the near future, but uh, okay. plain lands or 72 hour car ride. That, that's a road trip for, for the, <laughs> uh, My you wife get down there. Do yeah. Yeah. What, what are the first steps as you get there? Are you okay. already working on the language and, and where do you go sure. from there? So um, we were advised by my brother, Abram, to uh, go to a language school, which is in Costa Rica. It's okay. the bordering country. And for one year, we're going to be uh, just, just working on that language, the Spanish language. Uh, it's a little bit different than uh, the Spanish from Mexico. It's directly from Spain. So it, the dialect's a little bit different. So uh, we'll be there for one year at the language school. And then once we're done with language school, we'll go directly to Panama and we'll work alongside my brother Abram and help him with his church. He's started two churches and help him with the two churches that he has. And um, we're, our, we're praying that God allows us to start a, a Bible Institute to train nationals to start churches up in the mountains and uh, during that time, we'll, we'll be working with Abe, starting that Bible Institute, and then um, come back on furlough. And once, we're, uh, once furlough is done, we'll go back to Panama and start uh, starting churches up in the mountains. Excellent. Very good. Yes. So, Miss, Miss Cherith, what, do you, what will you see, obviously, learning language and all of that? Where do you see your role fitting in uh, with the ministry there and maybe what, what your sister-in-law does there and, and different things? Where do you see yourself kind of jumping in the ministry? Um, well, there are several opportunities um, to serve, um, whether it be, you know, playing piano for a church sure. or whatnot. Um, my sister-in-law does do several Bible studies um, with the ladies of both churches. <clears throat> so hopefully I'll be able to help with that and um, other ladies activities and Christmas parties and whatnot. Um, so really just being a help to Isaiah and if the Lord allows children by that time, then I'll be taking care of them as well. So um, just I guess what Absolutely. a normal assistant Absolutely. wife would be. Well, doing and in no, I, I appreciate that answer because I, I think for a lot of folks, um, we have this idea that the mission field is so completely different. And yes, there are some different westernized philosophies and things that America has that are different. But in reality, the work of the church is, if it's done the biblical way, it's pretty copy and paste across. Yes, there are cultural things right. that change, and yeah. maybe there's more guitar than there is piano in some churches and things like that, right. uh, especially down there. But um, just knowing that the the work that's done and being the opportunity to be a help meet to your husband is still there. It doesn't change right. because of geography. And yes. so... Very good. So the future dreams, visions of, a, of an institute, are there the beginnings of, of an institute there now? Or would that be kind of something that would be a goal of yours to stand up in the future? Yes, sir. There, uh, there are about eight young men, maybe, maybe six or, or eight young men that are wanting to, um, to be trained uh, to start churches up the mountains. There's uh, uh, in, the, in the church that my brother started, and uh, it's, it's amazing to see the, the, the church that he started and the young people that were in that church have grown up and that now are uh, graduated from high school 
and now are uh, ready to ready to serve God in any ministry. And uh, he he has a young man that is willing to start a church in his uh, the village that his grandparents live. So they have they have young people that are willing to do it, and we just need to uh, get a Bible Institute uh, into the into La Ciudad of Panama. So. Amen. Amen. Now, how many different villages in different places up there? Basically, how many different churches do you think could be started in the next 10 years in the mountains and actually make a dent if the Lord right. will allow? Well, it would be a blessing to get a, a church in each village uh, um, in every all 60 villages. But, you know, if if we would be able to, I would love to get at least um at least 10 churches in 10 years, that would be, that would be a blessing Praise to be Lord. able to, to get that in there. Yes, Amen. Sir. Amen. I pre- appreciate the, the willingness to shoot for something big. I, I've, I've used this often uh, in recent, sometimes uh, people need to be willing to fail for, right. even if you right. stumble, at least just fall that way and fall <laughs> right. t- t- towards the finish line, pick yourself up, yes, dust sir. yourself up. And, you know, for people like, oh, you know, if you only get six churches in the next 10 years, well, that's six more than you had 10 years ago. Right. And you learn some things along the way. So maybe we'll have 16 in 20 years or something like right. that. Yeah. So yes. appreciate the willingness to push uh, for something like that. Now, I, I, w- I would be remiss if I did not bring this up and I'm hoping that he watches and I'm hoping that some people that know him watch, but talking about pastor Joe Grimaldi, <laughs> the man that you yes, grew sir. up under, I had the opportunity to work for pastor Grimaldi for five and a half years. And so you were under his ministry for how long yourself? 13 years, I believe. 13. Yes, so sir. you got me by a few years there. So <laughs> if you can think of, and I'll give you some time to think about this, maybe your best pastor Grimaldi story, or maybe just the impact that he made on your life being right. your home pastor, and then also making a big influence in your brother's lives, all of those things, and just family, extended family as well. Sure. But speak to, speak to the role that your pastor, in particular, Pastor Grimaldi, but the role he played in your life. Sure. Um, the first time memory that I had of Brother Grimaldi was when I was, I think, four or five years old. I don't remember. But uh, he came to uh, my parents' house. And I think it was like Christmas or I, I'm not sure when it was, but he probably doesn't remember this, but he came and uh, gave us a whole bunch of Christmas gifts. And uh, he gave me a, I think a toy gun. And I was like, I couldn't believe that someone would do that. Someone we didn't know. And so later I found out he was our pastor. So I, that was just a, that was a cool thing. First memory of Brother Grimaldi is just, he's a giving man and uh, he, he has a uh, vision for young people. And uh, from what I, uh, he would always tell us when he came to visit Midwest, it wasn't even a church. My, um, my parents, uh, my dad and my two, three uncles, um, they kind of formed a church after, after a big split that happened in, in a church in Rochester. So uh, they kind of formed this church and they asked Brother Grimaldi if he would come to candidate and uh, Brother Grimaldi had no intention to come from Pennsylvania to the cold Midwest. So um, he came and I guess when he saw the young people that there were, I don't know, maybe 20 young people that were without a pastor, he saw, had a vision and I'm grateful for Brother Grimaldi's vision for us and uh, for, um, you know, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if, we would be in church or, or what would happen. So 
Absolutely. I, I am sure that the Lord would have, in his plan, would have worked something out if yes. Pastor Goldie had refused the call, uh, right. the, the burden of God. But it's amazing to see what the Lord has done with the amount of people. And, and we right. often use Bible college as, as a litmus test. But beyond that, the amount of people that are in ministry, serving God faithfully, just good. Yes. And forget the, those, and not, not forget them, but there are many that are just good, solid, upstanding citizens. And that's fantastic. But sure. there's also many that are serving God full time, <laughs> even, even as Sunday school teachers and just right down the line. And yes. then raising their, next, their kids, the next generation, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I know a lot of that falls on parents, but the pastor as well with the leadership and the vision for, for seeing something in some kids that parents don't even always recognize. And so greatly appreciate that. Now let's dive into the other side, Miss Cherith being raised in the pastor's home. There's many, uh, I I was actually called to preach under a message that your dad preached. And, and so of course there's many men that, and young men and women that have, uh, testimonies of great decisions they made because of your dad's ministry. Um, but then we kind of lose sight of the person, the fact that he, this is a real person who, you know, puts his pants on one leg at a time, just <laughs> like everybody else. And so what was it like growing up in that home uh, with a, a man that uh, I now have the privilege, I believe, of calling a friend, but now you're, you're his daughter and growing up in that, what was that like? I think, I think it's a great blessing to grow up in a pastor's home and even just a, a ministry home, whether it be youth pastor, assistant pastor. Um, you kind of get to see the ministry firsthand. And um, I think one thing that I'm thankful my parents um, did being in the ministry is they didn't live a double life. You know, what they were at church and what they taught and preached is how they lived at home. And the same principles that dad would would preach about um, regarding family and home, he would implement those into our house. You know, he wasn't just preaching to the audience. He was preaching to himself and living by what he preached. And um, I think that was a big thing that I took away from, you know, living in a pastor's home is um, live what you teach and live what you preach. And, um, you know, all of all of his kids are in the ministry serving God today, and I think that might be, you know, a reason why is just he taught us to be real and genuine, and we saw him living the way he preached. So Absolutely. it was a blessing um, to be brought up that way. So. Absolutely, and I think it even gives how much more power to his messages now that he can preach it. Obviously everything he's preached is biblical, but now he has the proofs in the pudding. He has adult children that are, that are now doing exactly what he preached as these are the ways to do things. And so now it's doubly powerful because, Hey, you, you can look at, you know, this, this has actually happened. It's worked. I'm not just uh, blowing smoke. And, and it's one of those things that a young man you preach and you know what you're preaching is completely right and completely biblical. But then to be able to look back after years of yeah. ministry and see that, that it actually had worked for Pastor Grimaldi, for Pastor Angel, mm-hmm. and for all of these men. That, that's a blessing. One of the last questions I always like to ask is, is this, and I'll give you time to think about it, but there will likely be you know, a couple hundred people that, that may listen to this uh, podcast, even, the, even in the next couple of days after it releases. But imagine there were millions upon millions, 
and you had a say a billboard or the next you know 30 seconds a minute to to give a paragraph or something what would it be and not to push aside the obvious of jesus saves and things like that those are the scripture speaks for itself on that but what would be maybe it has to do with the gospel maybe it has to do with a life lesson you learned but for each of you and we'll start with you for the hansen what would be something that you had a billboard on a mountain where everybody could read it what would be a paragraph's worth of something that you would give to people? I would say, um, as a young, as a young man, I wish I would have bought into the truth of the word. Like, like I, I am now, um, when I was younger, I had the, had the choice of serving God and I'm grateful for, for that making the right choice. But I wish I would have. Uh, I wish I would have bought bought the truth from God's word right away. Whereas when I went to college, I had to actually glean from God's word, and I kind of wasted a few a few years um, not not actually abiding by God's word. I wasn't into deep sin per se, but I was I was just not. Um, I, I didn't have the knowledge like I have that God has given me now. And so right. I, I'm grateful uh, for, for God's truth. And to anybody, um, to, to the young people, even to the adults, uh, it's, it's important to uh, glean from God's word and have your life uh, rooted by the river of life. And, uh, and we need to, by the truth, and what the, what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 23, by the truth and sell it not. Um, as Christians, we have the truth. Uh, don't sell into doctrines. Don't sell into uh, the any any type of movement that's going around. So absolutely. And to further that point, I was just talking to a gentleman earlier in the day that I respect greatly, and, and something that that he's really encapsulated with his life a core value is the power of the gospel is in the word and not the worker. And so oftentimes yeah. we try to be self sufficient. And if we're not plugged into the right power source, and I appreciate sure. the fact that you as a young man and, and me as well, we're at a place where there is so much to do and so little time. It doesn't matter if God's coming back tomorrow or a year from now or a thousand, there is so much work to be done. I, I walk out of our ministry here at Bible Track sometimes and my brother and I look at each other and we're like, did we do anything today? Because there's still so much to be done. And, but that's, right. that's always going to be the case if you're working about the right stuff. There's the yes, fields sir. are white and the harvest, the laborers are few. We got a lot of work to do. And so I yeah. appreciate the fact that, and the fact that you now at your young years, you bemoan a few lost years that will save you 40 lost years because you're thinking about it now. I wasted a couple of years. Well, let's not waste anymore. Let's get down yeah. to work. And so there are so many folks that they seem to be just sleeping away, you know, what the opportunity we have. And so yes. not to get too, too much commentary on, on what you said there. <laughs> Miss Cherith, what would be your billboard for the masses? Ooh, um, I'm not sure how many young people listen to this podcast. I'm sure there are um, quite a few. Um, but I remember as a teenager and thinking, um, you know, how my future would unfold and how I wanted to live in God's will, but I hate, I would hate to miss it. I think that's a fear of a lot of young people is how do I know this is right? How do I know this is God's will? And my sister told me one time, if you're 
serving and if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're reading the Bible and praying, God is not going to make it hard for you to find his will. You know, he's not going to hide it from you, so to say, so to speak. And um, I think, well, as young people too, you know, it, but it could be adults. You know, we were, we've been in conferences uh, with a lot of families with five or six children who they were serving in a church and then God uprooted their life and they had, you know, they followed his will. And, you know, like I said before, with my testimony, there is no better place than God's will. And whether it be newly married and, you know, concerned what your future holds or whether it be married for several years with lots of children, there's no better place in God's will. And if, like you said, if you're outside of it, you're, you're going to be miserable and you're not going to be doing what God has for your life. So I guess what I would say is make sure that you're doing God's will for your, for your life right now, which is serving whatever church you are in, reading your Bible, giving out the gospel and whatever God's will is for your life. He will lead you that way and surrender because if you live your life fighting the Holy Spirit, like I said, it's not, you're not going to have a, a great life. So I think maybe if that made any sense. No, you're, ex <laughs> you're exactly right. And the way to sum that up is just make the next right choice. So often we, we want the full roadmap and we want to know, we want the full, if you might guys remember this, the map quest directions where you have all <laughs> the directions. And it's not for those really young people that are listening. It's not, you know, it used to be that you'd print off these the directions right. from this place called map quest and you'd have all the turn by turn. So if you missed a turn, you had to get back on the right route, but you'd have the entire thing laid out for you. But sometimes, oftentimes the Lord just wants you to just obey just the next thing, get off at this exit take a right. You don't need to know the full scope. Just know that when you wake up in the morning, Bible reading should be a part of your day and prayer and all those things. So I think you're, you're exactly right. What are some needs, some prayer requests with a Hanson that you could share with folks? One of my goals of this podcast is shed some light on some folks that are, I believe are worthy of support. Not that I have this massive following with a whole lot of money um, to be able to throw, to throw around. But if there was a church or a pastor that was thought, hey, you know, we need a missionary in Panama, we'd like to support you. What are some needs, uh, both support wise, but just prayer wise that you can pass along to listeners yeah so we are our support is at 52 percent uh we started last september so uh today actually we started our our deputation so september 1st of 2019 so it's it's been a blessing to be able to see god work in uh many ways and uh but we're at 52 percent and uh that's actually an answer to prayer we were praying that god would allow us to be at 50 percent by our one year anniversary so um just um just to add to that support um uh, would be would be a prayer uh that god allows us to get to a hundred percent by september of next year that would be that would be a, a real answer to prayer so we can get to the the people in Panama to reach to them and give them the gospel and uh, just safety um, on the road. And uh, we, we were in California. Um, we were on our way to California driving and we, we ended up seeing a terrible accident and just seeing God's um, God's uh, prevention from us being in the accident. 
uh, is just an answer to prayer from, I know many people uh, around America are praying for our safety. So uh, just please pray for safety and, um, and then God opening up new meetings uh, for us to be able to present our ministry uh, next year. So. Absolutely. Well, we will yes, definitely sir. pray that way and praise the Lord, even with basically effectively two months off without some virtual things. The fact that Lord allowed yeah. you still be over that 50% mark in answer to prayer. Yeah. So what is the date? If you could mark one on the calendar where you'd like to be landing, I guess in Costa Rica, but when would you be on the field per se? Right. Um, if God allows us to be done with deputation before September, maybe July or whatever, we would leave right from there and go to Panama August uh, or Costa Rica and start language school. Uh, but if, if it lasts, you know, maybe October, um, we will, we'll probably stay for Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, with the family, the last Christmas with the family. And then we'll, we'll head over to Costa Rica in January of 2022. So, well, I'm, I'm just, sure I know uh, how the, the parents are praying then they're praying for <laughs> increase, but oh, slightly no, measured out. My secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh -oh, don't, don't, don't pray. We'll just pray for God's will. How about we do right. that? Yes. How about has. that. <laughs> and the sooner you start the clock, the sooner the furlough clock starts. And right. So there you that, go. that way too. There you go. So, I do greatly appreciate the investment of time. And for those of you that are watching, we'll make sure we tag on uh, the Hanson's uh, missionary presentation video. And I, I know you'll enjoy that. Thank you so very, so very much. Any last words for the folks before we sign off? Well, I just want to thank you, Brother uh, McCurry, for allowing us to talk to you and be on this podcast. And I just want to uh, thank the Lord for uh, giving us the opportunity to serve him. Uh, there's no better thing than to serve the Lord. So I, I appreciate uh, God's calling on our life. Absolutely. So. And Ms. Cherith will give you one last chance too. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. That's completely fine. You did, you did fantastic. Greatly, greatly appreciate Thank it. You. If you'd stick around for just one moment, we will sign off. This has been the Mike McCurry podcast and so greatly appreciate each of you that have followed along with this interview. If you would, please consider marking the Hansons down on your prayer list and make them part of your daily prayer. I know for me, it's always encouraging, even though I don't even know all of the people that do pray for us on a daily basis, even a weekly basis. But I know, as they said, for safety and all of these things, I know it means so very much. And so do that if you would. We'll sign off until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Wow. What a blessing that was to hear. I want to thank the Hansons for taking time out of their schedule to be with us on the Mike McCurry podcast. And I hope what we talked about was a help to you. Now, I've linked the Hansen's presentation video down below, so make sure you view that. You know the Bible says, mine eye affecteth mine heart, and so I'd love for you to see that for yourself. Also, take a moment and make sure you subscribe to the channel, whether podcast or on YouTube. I don't want you to miss anything coming up in the future. God bless. Have a great day for His glory. Thanks for listening to the Mike McCurry Podcast.